So I'm glad you guys are all here. Thank you for being here. Um, the, the basic flow for tonight, uh, I'm going to uh, introduce a couple of videos. Um, and then Matt's going to have a time to share. I'm going to have a time to share. And then uh, we'll do sort of a Q&A time at the end. Uh, it would be helpful if you just write down your questions and save them until the Q&A time so that we can kind of like work through everything because chances are a fair amount of your questions may be answered uh, before we get to the Q&A time, right? Okay. So um, this first video was put together by a church called Southlands International. Uh, who here knows who Chris Finand is? He's the South African dude who's come and taught here a few times. So he um, was the, the pastor of this church for, uh, where's, Matt's not here, so I'll just make up a number. We'll say 12 years. Um, and, uh, and he handed it over to this guy, Alan. He felt like God was calling him uh, to a different type of ministry. Uh, and so um, they are, are great friends of ours as a church. Uh, they've been running Porterbrook for the last eight years now. And, uh, and so we are modeling a fair amount of how we are going to do Porterbrook based on how they do Porterbrook. So we've gone down and visited them for one of their conference weekends. We'll get to what that is. Um, but I wanted to start uh, with a video that Nick put together for basically this sort of a meeting for their church. So he's going to call it Southlands. It's okay. We're totally stealing their video. They know it. They have said yes and amen to that. So um, he gives a little bit of what Porterbrook is. And then there's two people who are going to share their stories. Um, and then after that video, uh, there's another couple who uh, just did Porterbrook, or is going through Porterbrook right now. Uh, and so wanted to get their story also. So there's going to be four stories, two videos. It'll set a good frown, uh, work, groundwork uh, for where we're going the rest of the night. Okay? Hit it, tech team. Hi. My name is Nick Soltis. I'm one of the pastors here at Southlands Church. I also oversee the Porterbrook Learning Program. Southlands is a recognized learning site of Porterbrook Network International. Over the last three years, we've seen more than 80 students come through Porterbrook. And I've noticed two things about those students. I've noticed that what Porterbrook has done for them is the ability to take what is potentially a fragile understanding of the gospel and build a more robust understanding of what it means to be a carrier of the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, the students have been able to not only learn what that means in a fresh way, but been able to apply that in areas of their own life so that they can go out into the world with a strong understanding that I live what I believe. It's not just some ethereal theological concept. The second way that I've seen people transformed is that Porterbrook has given them the tools to be able to go into their very different environments, whether it's a CEO, a teacher, a student, a homemaker, or even a potential church planter or part of a church planting team, and go into the environments and be able to contextualize the gospel so that the truth of God makes sense to the people in that environment. Jay and Kristen are going to talk to you about some of the personal impact that Porterbrook has had on their lives. My name is Jay Selinger. I am a college baseball coach here in Southern California. I've done a lot of different discipleship books. I've done a lot of different uh, studies, um, and all those are good. But the, the thing that I really was challenged with, with Porterbrook is I felt like as a father, as a husband, as a coach, as a leader, as a servant, that it really challenged me from a gospel perspective, that it made me uh, look at the lenses that I look uh, look through in all of those with all those different hats I wear, and uh, and it made me say, how am I doing that as a believer in Christ in a way that is pointing people to Jesus? And I think Porterbook really helped me uh, do that. 
My name is Kristen Mark. I am a mom, I am a wife, and I am an office administrator. I took Porterbrook um, just because I, I felt insecure about sharing the gospel. I didn't feel like I had a, um, I felt disqualified. I felt like I didn't have what it took to share the gospel, so I really didn't. Um, and so I thought Porterbrook would be a great opportunity to get the tools that I needed um, to be able to not only um, share the gospel, but share it effectively. One of the things that really stood out that I think makes this program a little bit different than some of the other things that you could get into um, was, was just the fact that I, you know, I had time to do it. And uh, when I say that, you know, we're all doing a lot of things, but the material itself was as such that I could read through it, I could understand it, and I know I could, I could sit and if I had more time in a week, I could go deeper. But there were other times when I, you know, I could just get through the four modules in time to, to go through them with the group that, you know, the, that week. And uh, that was okay, too, because I got a lot. But you could kind of go at your own speed, and it, it allowed you to still live your life and grow in Christ and, and do some things, but not be overwhelmed with material. Why I went and what happened were two totally different things. What I thought I needed was tools, and what actually I needed was obstacles removed from my life. Um, things I didn't even know were there. Um, and God just began to highlight areas of my life um, that needed the gospel. And here I am looking to share the gospel, and actually I had areas of my life that needed the gospel. How I treat my husband and how I speak, um, how I love and discipline my children, um, how I'm a friend when I speak truth, um, or do I stay quiet um, for the sake of not wanting to ruffle feathers. What I was most excited about the material is that it, I feel like it, it sent me on mission where I was. And that though maybe, maybe God doesn't send me to Zimbabwe, but maybe he does. But if he doesn't, that I feel sent where I am. And that this material, again, helps me, I think, contextualize the gospel where I am and where God has me. And yet I feel sent in that way to, to, go, to go and to, to do God's work, wherever that is. America is changing, and we need to adapt as Christians to the context that we currently find ourselves in so that the gospel is not some archaic religion uh, that people just throw aside, but that they understand, because we are vehicles of that gospel, that the gospel is powerful, that the kingdom of God comes through people that declare the gospel in the context in which they find themselves in. We need to adjust our methods and we need to adjust the way in which we approach our world so that we can be more effective in the making of disciples. So I strongly encourage you to consider Porterbrook. Hello, my name is Ryan Stone and this is my wife. Sarah Jane. And we go to Southlands Church in Brea and we just finished the first year of Porterbrook last month. Um, for work, I am an associate marriage and family therapist and I am the editor of a home decor magazine. And we wanted to share with you what our experience was like with the first year of Porterbrook, and we're excited to share that with you. And my beautiful wife will go first. So your Ryan asked me to share a little bit about what Porterbrook was life like for me in the work context. So um, like I said, I'm the editor of a home decor magazine. It's definitely not a conservative work environment. On a daily basis, I work with and partner with and feature individuals who identify within the LGBTQ plus community. So there's definitely lots of times where um, talking about matters of faith and sharing the gospel feel not only uncomfortable, but definitely risky um, for professional relationships, just for knowing how that conversation could potentially go with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but Porterbrook has taught me that those conversations don't necessarily have to be eloquent. They don't have to be 
deep and profound apologetic conversations, um, hmm. the whole point is to share the love of Jesus. And there's actually a quote in the apologetics unit that I have um, that I have really liked, and I wrote it down so I'd make sure that I said it correctly. But it's that um, to awaken our desire for God, our apologetics needs to be Jesus-centered. That particular quote has definitely had me more excited to talk about God, and um, while maybe there hasn't been huge fruit out of this, there's definitely been more conversations and more comfort in talking about God in these relationships that otherwise would have been a little bit scarier, especially ones that aren't established like members of my team. So. Yeah, I think Porterbrook has definitely made me more confident in just being honest about who God is, and I've definitely, um, I've definitely had a lot more conversations about Him in my work context. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about how it affected and was affected by our marriage and our relationship, uh, which was a big factor, a huge part of our Porterbrook journey. Um, we actually waited about three years to even start Porterbrook because we knew that we couldn't do it together. Uh, I was in graduate school at the time, and so it just wasn't possible for us to go through it together, so we waited, um, and we're really glad that we did. Um, when we first started Porterbrook, it was hard for us at first to kind of get into a rhythm, to get the readings down, to get the meetings down, but we, we got it all figured out, and it was really great. Um, we found that Porterbrook gave us the tools to apply the gospel to our marriage, um, to our ministry context, we lead a life group in the church, and we're in kids ministry, um, and just being able to think about those ministry contexts through the gospel has been so helpful and so powerful. Um, and then also in our family context, we've had so many yeah. conversations over the last year about our families um, and how we can look at them differently and talk to them differently because of the gospel, um, and we have Porterbrook to thank for that. Mm -hmm. Porterbrook was also an opportunity to encourage and challenge one another to think on a more regular basis, uh, sorry, to think about our work and our relationships um, through the gospel, through a gospel-centered lens. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have seen fruit in that. We've seen uh, a change in the way that we conduct our life group, in the way that we talk to the people around us, the way that we talk to each other, mm -hmm. um, and just being able to recall things that we've read and things that we've talked about in the, in the group time. Um, it's just been really helpful and totally invaluable to the last year of our lives. Yeah. So Porterbrook is amazing and you should do it. Sign up immediately. All that to say, Porterbrook is definitely worth it and we have definitely seen how it has affected just about every aspect of our lives. So we would definitely encourage you to take the plunge. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I get a chance to share with you guys a little bit of uh, kind of the things that, that stand out to me are the where we've been and where we're going and how Porterbrook fits into that. So that's uh, sort of the perspective that I am, am going to take a few minutes to share with you guys on, and then Ryan will be back up to walk through some details. So a little bit of the history, uh, how we got to even bringing this into Anthem. Um, over the last few years, we, well, I would say since we started, we've been pretty cautious about what kind of uh, outside um, programs we might use as a church uh, just the, the different tools that are out there. Uh, it takes us a long time to process through that because they all come with commitment. They come with other people's beliefs, their DNA, the different things that, that um, 
are created out there that are great resources and many churches have used them we've been pretty reticent to do it not I don't I don't believe it's out of arrogance saying we can do it better but um, really when you sign on to something external it's it usually comes with a lot of uh, effort and energy and input and that kind of thing and so we just haven't really um, pursued that until now and uh, so it, this really does stand out to us as something that we believe can be very helpful in accomplishing uh, one of the key goals that we have. And for that, uh, we as an elder team started to identify uh, an area that we felt like needed specific attention as a church. And that's uh, the idea of taking somebody from the point of coming to faith in Jesus to being uh, a deacon or an elder or a prophet or an evangelist or an apostle or any of the different uh, roles that we see in the scriptures, what are we doing intentionally to develop somebody in preparation for that? Uh, I was super challenged by the Acts 2 to Acts 8 run. I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about that. I've gotten to share it in a few different places, but you see in Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, you see then in Acts chapter 8, and they were all scattered, everyone except for the apostles, and they all went out preaching the word. So you have, from Acts 2 to Acts 8, a window of time that most scholars believe is about six to eight months where the apostles were teaching these 3,000 brand new believers, 3,000 plus because more were being added to their number daily, uh, brand new believers, and then when the persecution hit and they all scattered, they went out as preachers of the word. And so we want to make sure that we are doing our diligent best to teach in a way that prepares each one of you and, and ultimately everyone in the body for that kind of life. Speaking, proclaiming, demonstrating the work of God out in the world. Now it's not that every single person that comes to Anthem is being groomed to be a lead church planter in some city somewhere at some point. Most of you are, just not all, not everybody, but most, like 95% of you are being groomed and trained to be a lead church planner somewhere. That's just the way that I kind of see the world. But ultimately, what I want is to see uh, faithfulness in whatever industry, whatever role that you're in. I want to see us with intentionality pursuing deeper faithfulness to carry the gospel into those places. Uh, we started looking at how we can do that. What does it look like for us to, uh, to walk through that with somebody? Our Sunday mornings, uh, we believe in what we do on Sunday mornings, and we have a high value for them, but they don't uh, necessarily accomplish that particular goal. Our community groups, we have a high value for that. We believe in what happens in those, but they don't necessarily always necessarily accomplish that goal. They can, especially if you add in DNA groups and people are going through things together and life is going, it, it, can, it can do that, uh, but they're not, inherently designed for that. And so we wanted to look at what it looked like for us to bring that into the mix. And we started dreaming, looking into options. We spent some time uh, in a few different places looking at some different, uh, the word curriculum is always loaded, but looking at different curriculums or different programs or different things that were out there, uh, rather than reinventing the wheel, uh, we wanted to find something that might help us accomplish that goal. Uh, so, we did think about writing our own stuff, just wanted to share that with you, but uh, we actually believe it's a historical precedent, maybe not a biblical precedent, but a historical precedent that the church has always stolen from itself, uh, the best things that you can find. You just see the, the Didache that was written in, what is it, 180 AD that uh, started getting passed around. It was essentially the Sunday school curriculum for 
every church all around the New Testament or post-New Testament world, and it just got reproduced and used all around uh, Christianity. So we want to do things like that where we take uh, from the best of what people have put together and uh, we put it into practice. So that's where our efforts to approach Porterbrook came. Uh, so let's talk about what led us to Porterbrook. While we were searching, we did get to see a few different things and uh, even some great things. But when it came down to it, we had a specific church, the one that uh, was talking up here. So Nick Saltos, the guy with the South African accent, is a great friend. Kristen and I have stayed in their home. Uh, we love Nick and his wife and their kids. We have a, a great relationship with them. They lead Southlands Church in Fullerton, which is a uh, campus or family of churches church of Southlands Church in Brea, which Chris Vinand our mentor led for 14 years uh, up until about five years ago. So it's a, uh, it's a church that we have history with. Uh, it has a great storyline in that um, that's how Andy Rogers met Tom Logue, if those names don't mean anything to you. Andy Rogers, our church planter in San Diego, met Tom Logue, who just planted Restored Church in Temecula. Uh, they met through Porterbrook at Southlands Church in Brea. We've gotten to watch this thing play out over a number of years in a church that we value very deeply and, and have a great friendship with. And so we've gotten firsthand experience. Kristen and I went down there and taught a section of one of the... Um, one of the weekend things that Ryan's going to be talking about, uh, it was specifically a, a church planting section, and they invited us in to teach that, and it was great to be exposed to the students and some of the things that were going on in Porterbrook. So just that, that firsthand knowledge and also the coaching. Uh, Ryan's been on the phone with Nick a number of times over the last uh, year and a half. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a good chunk of time that we've been looking into this and trying to prepare what it is that we are going to put into place for Anthem. We take this very seriously because I was talking with Mike and Terry at Three Amigos about half an hour ago. And um, it's sort of, I think with any program, any external thing, you're going to get out of it whatever you put into it. Like, as a church, we're going to receive whatever, uh, whatever benefit at, that correlates with the amount of effort that we put into it. So if we invest ourselves in this, if we are diligent with it, if we do well to, uh, on our end, take care of things, we believe it will produce fruit and be valuable that, um, that we can actually do some great things with this. So uh, Ryan and Tricia, uh, the elders asked Ryan to sort of take the lead on research, on finding out as much as he could find out. And he and Tricia went down to Brea. They've spent uh, a number of hours, tons of hours looking into this combing the website, looking through the materials, spending time with people, asking a lot of questions. Ryan's been on the phone with other Porterbrook learning sites around the country. Uh, it's been a lot of time and energy that's gone into this, and that has made us feel increasingly comfortable with being able to stand in front of our church and say, we think this could really help. Uh, we wouldn't do that if we didn't think this could really help. We think this can really help us um, start to formulate a direction of how we develop people from uh, zero to maturity. It just gives us something to kind of anchor ourselves in. So at the recommendation that Ryan and Tricia brought to look into Porterbrook, we prayed through that, uh, spent some time with that, and the elders decided to uh, implement Porterbrook, and that is leading to tonight. So let me take a, a couple minutes before I hand it back over to Ryan and just talk about where we believe this can take us. So there are a few things uh, that get me really excited about Porterbrook. Uh, the first is that it's built to help develop believers into mission-minded, faithful followers of Jesus who love the church. I, I love that. Like, I, I would love for every follower of Jesus to have mission on the forefront of our minds. Not, 
not necessarily going into another country, though that could be the case, but mission in the sense that I am always on mission. It's one of the values that we've declared as a church from day one, that every single believer is immediately called to the Great Commission to go and make disciples, to be somebody that is receiving the gospel and then taking it to the world. So seeing that played out over the course of Porterbrook, the teaching specifically goes into uh, what the gospel is. It looks at the entire story of God. There's some great things. I'll talk about the learning streams in just a few minutes, but there are some, uh, there's some great components of the, the curriculum itself that lend to uh, equipping you for that purpose, being more mission-minded than, um, than what, we can, that what we can do, I think, on a Sunday morning. Uh, we see the things that Porterbrook has done for our friends, the churches. Uh, so Southlands, for, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, would run all of their potential elders through Porterbrook. They would run their potential church planters through Porterbrook. They would run their potential worship leaders through Porterbrook. It became sort of a launch pad for people that, uh, that if they want to go to another place in ministry and leadership, uh, then Porterbrook became sort of a, an opportunity or a platform to use, not only to make sure that everybody has the same amount of information, but also to get to know them. Because that's, the, that's one of the great values of it is it's not just information transfer, but there, there actually is a relational dynamic and the, the church, so to speak, or the leadership getting a chance to know the people at a different kind of a level. So <clears throat> it did begin, and maybe this is one of the reasons why it stands out to me, it did begin a number of years ago as a curriculum for church planter development. It's broadened way beyond that to ultimately just church leader development, but I love the emphasis on seeing the nations reached, seeing the church reproduced and multiplied. Uh, again, that doesn't always happen in a lead context where all of a sudden you're a pastor on staff of some church being planted in some city, uh, but like our launch team that's going to Denver, uh, we have an incredible group of people that are not all going to be on staff of a church, but they are absolutely church planters. And we believe in, in preparing people for that potential, that potential outcome in our lives, uh, whatever the, wherever that might be. And even if it's not out there and it's here, we think that that leadership development has a huge component um, for you. So this is an opportunity for us to more formally prepare you for anything that God may do with you in your future, and we want to we step into that. So let me talk about the four ways or the learning streams that Porterbrook focuses on. Uh, the first is Bible and doctrine. And first, not in order necessarily, but just they tell you the four. So number one is Bible and doctrine. Understanding the teaching or understanding and being able to teach the truth of the entire scriptures. Uh, just so that I know, how many of you have read the Bible cover to cover? Raise your hand if you've read it cover to cover. All right. Uh, how many of you remember all of it? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, we don't really process things that way. And one of the things that Porterbrook will do is help you see the story of God. It just brings some formality to your learning where you actually start to see how uh, each book might fit into the narrative of what God is doing throughout human history. It's incredibly helpful like that. So Bible and then understanding doctrine. How do we get the things that we believe out of the Bible that was written? Uh, character, uh, living and leading out of a gospel-transformed tran heart. Uh, one of the things that Porterbrook does focus on, if you are going to um, be in ministry, if you're going to be in leadership, if you're going to, like we talked about this morning, uh, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. The character, who you are, how Christ has internally shaped and transformed you, that matters deeply. 
And so Porter Brook pays attention to that and works through elements of character. So even as you're learning uh, information, you're also working to apply the truth of the scripture to your life and see the transformation of the gospel in yourself as you're preparing to lead in that. Uh, stream number three is the church, establishing, growing, and leading a community on mission. Uh, we believe that you all have a part in that, that every single one of us is a servant of Jesus and his church, and growing in our understanding of what the church is, why the church is, how the church works, and what part you play in that is hugely valuable in your future as a follower of Jesus. Uh, the fourth stream is the world, understanding your ministry context and how to engage others with the gospel. Uh, we do see Porterbrook is incredibly helpful in looking at uh, the context around us and specifically being able to see culture and, and think, how do I interact with that culture? I think uh, Sarah Jane's example of just being in the magazine industry, the, uh, the workplace that she has, what is that unique context require when communicating the gospel. That's an incredibly helpful thing to process through. Not that there's a section specifically on being an editor of a home decor magazine, but uh, it does help you bring translation of the gospel to the different context that you're in. Uh, for us, by running the whole body, I mentioned that this morning, that my dream would be that everybody at Anthem runs through it at some point in the next five to seven years. By running the whole body through Porterbrook, it allows us to cultivate a greater sense of mission and expectation in the body. So just think for a moment. It's kind of like if everybody goes through intro to membership, then we all know that everybody's at least heard the same thing, that we all at least have that same basic, basic understanding of what the church is and how it operates, specifically Anthem. And so with something like this, it gives us a chance to say, if everybody were to run through it, we know that the people that have gone through it have a, a certain base of knowledge, a certain uh, built-in or pre-wired um, understanding of the mission of God, and we can, we can speak in a different way. Hey, when you go and do this thing, you know, there's that, that expectation. Hey, as you're leading, do this. Hey, when you go into your workplace and you're talking with people about this, it's, it's an expectation that we're able to bring because we know we've all gone through that. And, and unless you, at the end of it, say, yeah, I don't agree with anything that I just learned in the last year, then we can at least operate with that sense of expectation that you get it, that this is what we're trying to accomplish for the sake of the kingdom of God. Now, just kind of the last thing that I'll say before I transition out is with any program, we, we, we see it having a shelf life, uh, and we want to... We want to maximize it while it's here. So that's the thing we talked to as we got to know Southlands and the, the running of Porterbrook there. They said we ran it for seven years, and we started to feel like we had run most of the people in the church through it, and it felt like it kind of uh, was an incredibly useful thing for a season. We don't know that we're going to run this thing perpetually. We don't, we're not necessarily thinking of it like, hey, in 25 years, when we're in the class of 2000, I could not even tell you what 25 years is from now. But when we're running this class then, we're not necessarily thinking of it that way as opposed to looking at it from the perspective of we would love to do as much as we can in a window of time with this, and we'll continue to evaluate if, it, if it's effective as we go forward. Uh, so we want to we use it. We're going to take advantage of it. We want to put a lot of effort and energy into it, and we trust that the, the fruit will be there. So that's a little bit of the story of uh, where we came from and where we're going and why we believe Porterbrook can help us get there. So I'll be back up for Q&A at the end, so if there are any uh, questions that come up over the course of that, uh, although I imagine most questions will be about the stuff Ryan's about to talk about, but you know, whatever. So here you go. Here's Ryan. All right. So a lot of the detail stuff of Porterbrook. Um, so the basic, 
week in and week out of how Porter Rook works is is sort of through three strands. Um, they tried to have it be a hybrid approach, taking the bits and pieces of how education is running these days and try to take the best bits and pieces of each one. And so uh, they saw that a lot of people are doing online school, uh, and online school has its highlights and its lowlights. One of the highlights of online school is that it's really easy to get to. You can sit on your couch, you can sit at a desk, you can go to a park, you can do wherever you have an internet connection, you can get content um, that is good. But it often leads to isolationism. You can uh, not have any accountability when you're doing it on your own. Um, it's just one of the, the pitfalls of doing things by yourself. Another thing that is really helpful in this sort of learning is doing things in groups. So the upside of doing things in groups is that you have high accountability. You get to hear other perspectives of, of other people who are learning the same things but may have a different lens into something. So you really get a really more full and rich picture of the content that is being delivered to you. Uh, the downside of uh, small groups sometimes can be scheduling, right? Not everybody has the same schedules and all that kind of stuff. So then the third stream is uh, what they call doing conference weekends. Uh, so once every three months, every one of the study groups, the small groups that are getting together, they'll all come together. And then you get sort of the feel of more of a traditional thing where you get to sit in a room, uh, you get to have somebody, an expert in whatever we're going to be talking about is going to be talking to you about things, um, get to work through stuff together, get to encourage each other as you're learning. And from what we've seen from the other churches and the other places that do Porterbrook, this three-pronged uh, learning experience has worked phenomenally well for people in all different walks of life. So the group that we went and visited from Southlands, uh, it was a group of about 15 to 20 people. Um, and one of the more encouraging things to me was that everybody who was there was doing the first year of Porterbrook together. And there was one couple who... Uh, they had been, the guy was the pastor of a church for 25, 30 years, something like that. And then he got cancer and didn't have somebody who was going to be a natural person to take over the church for him while he was going through chemo and treatment and then eventually just stepping out of ministry. Uh, and so he approached Southlands and said, hey, will you guys consider taking us over as a campus of Southlands? So they said yes. And, um, Somehow, he and his wife decided, you know what, I think we need to go back and start from, from uh, ground zero with the gospel. And so they decided to do Porterbrook um, really quickly after they stepped out of their ministry role. Uh, and then there was this other couple who uh, found out about Southlands because they are a part of a CrossFit gym that meets in the building that Southlands also meets at. And so one of their friends that's part of their CrossFit Group, I don't know how CrossFit works. Do you guys? I don't know. They have groups. So, um, so one of their friends from CrossFit had decided to go to Southlands, ended up getting saved, uh, was going to get baptized in one of the services, and said, "Hey, everybody who's a part of my CrossFit team, uh, will you come and just watch me get baptized and celebrate with me?" And so this couple, uh, the wife had some church background, uh, but had walked away from the church uh, years and years ago. Uh, the husband grew up in a really devout Jewish family, uh, and a lot of their family identity was about their their Jewish heritage, their uh, holidays, and all that sort of stuff. So he had no interest in, in anything that had to do with Jesus. And so they said, yes, we'll go with you. Uh, and so they went to the service, 
And there was a guy on stage, probably Nick, I'm not sure, uh, but basically said, hey, if anybody is interested in learning more about the Bible, we do this thing called Porterbrook. We'd love for you to be a part of it. And I don't know what it was aside from the Holy Spirit, uh, but they said, yeah, let's learn some more about the Bible. And so they signed up for Porterbrook. Uh, and within six weeks of, of actually working through the curriculum, one of the first classes is called Gospel Change. Uh, and they recognized their need of a Savior. They recognized that Jesus was that Savior. And both of them got saved within the first six weeks. So there was this like marked spiritual development that happened so quickly. And even from talking to that, that very seasoned pastor and his wife, they all said, as soon as we started going through this, the Lord started showing us new things about him that we had never seen before. And uh, I'm going to have to put the microphone down to do this hand motion really quickly. But Um, obviously very different contexts and backgrounds and educations and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it was so encouraging to me to see that it wasn't like these people had to do the beginner's Porterbrook and these people got to do the expert Porterbrook. It was all the same thing. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit was working through both of them in this crazy way. So um, I'm excited about it. So, uh, yeah, the basics, the, the ins and outs, it's an online delivery. You get all your materials online. There's videos. There's workbooks. You can download a PDF if you're more of a pen and paper kind of person. Um, you will be meeting in a study group with a, a group of between four to nine people. Um, you guys are going to get together weekly, uh, work through the, the curriculum, work through how you feel like God is is growing you through the things that you're learning. And then once every three months, every one of those study groups is going to get together, hopefully over at the office, uh, and uh, do a Friday night and an all-day Saturday together. Those are called the conference weekends. So we do three of those trimesters a year. It's two years. And that's it. That's, that's how Porterbrook works. Um, so each one of those trimesters, you will be doing uh, four classes. They call them modules, but whatever you want to call it. You're going to do four classes in each one of those modules. Each one of those lasts three months. That's three trimesters, one conference weekend for each trimester. Um, everybody has their own pace at which they read. Everybody has their own pace at which they comprehend. Um, Porterbrook says that it should take around three to four weeks of, of work on your own. Did I say three to four weeks on your own? That is not right. It should take you about three to four hours per week to work through all the content on your own. So you're working through all four of those classes at the same time. They're, they're written out unit one for each one. So week one, you do unit one for all four classes. The next week, you do unit two for all four classes. You work that through, and it's about 10 weeks. You get a week off uh, to either play catch-up or to have a week off if you have not done the one assignment. The, uh, from talking to other people who are doing other forms of theological education, like we've got friends who are in EBC. We've got friends in different places. Um, I love the things that people are learning at EBC. We're a huge fan of them. We see lots of people who are getting trained for ministry in a really, really cool way. But 
it seems like every person hits this point where they can't remember everything anymore. They're working for 15 hours a day, working through all these huge papers. And then it's, at some point, there's just no way that you can comprehend all of that information and actually retain it. A lot of it is, let's, let's bring it in, let's take our test, and then boom, it's out. And so from what I've seen with Porterbrook, I feel like it's a good balance between it's still having some sort of rigorous nature. It's not just like a really easy Bible study that you do on your own, but it seems like it's accessible and it's, it's, uh, it's possible for it to be enough content that you can actually slow down and go through uh, and have it not just hit your head, but also hit your heart uh, before you move on to the next thing. Uh, one thing that uh, I sort of blew by really quickly is that there is, there are assignments for Porterbrook. Uh, this is not a uh, a graded sort of thing where you can get a uh, an A or any of the other letters, um, but we we do actually want to read the things that you guys are writing because we want to encourage you in the in the spots where. Uh, you're really understanding. We want to help in places where there may be a little bit of correction that may be needed. Uh, and so every one of those classes has one assignment uh, that you will be writing out. It's not long. They say that it should be about 500 pages, which if some... 500 pages. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Huge font. So 500 words. Sorry. Which I think uh, is about a page. Is that right? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. So uh, it's not like a, a super, super high demanding thing. Um, so you'll do one of those assignments per class. So that's four every three months. Uh, one of those assignments, for those of you who are introverts, be warned. This is going to feel a little bit overwhelming, but it's okay. So one of those assignments is going to be presented written and then also presented orally. So uh, everybody on one of those conference weekends is going to take a 10-minute time and present one of your assignments to the rest of the, the group who's going through Porterbrook together. And when we were down in Orange County visiting on a conference day, this was the highlight of the whole thing. I was... Uh, I knew that that was going to be the majority of our day, was sitting and listening to people talk about their assignments. Uh, I was not incredibly excited about it. But we got there, and it was, it was so encouraging the whole time. Uh, everybody else who was going through these things together was so affirming, so loving. Um, they, they really wanted to see everybody else do really well. And it felt like, all things considered, a very low-pressure situation if you're going to be standing up in front of people and talking for 10 minutes. I know that the times where I learn the most about something is when I know that I'm going to have to tell somebody else about it, right? Do you guys feel that same way? Yes? Okay. Uh, and so I feel like that's part of the reason that they put in these uh, presentations that happen every month, every three months, is because it really forces you to... to comprehend the things that you're going to be teaching to somebody else. So uh, Porterbrook is a two-year program. Um, there's the first year, the, the classes are... Ta-da! Okay. So like I said, you're going to do four classes at a time. Each one of those trimesters is three months. Three months, three months, three months. And they're, they're based in the tracks that, that Matt was talking about earlier. So there's, um, 
Uh, top line is the Bible and doctrine track. The second one is the character track. My order might be off, but that's okay. Bible and doctrine, character, church, and world. So each one of the trimesters um, works through those uh, those tracks. And then I didn't make a slide for it um, because everybody's going to be doing year one at this point. And then year two is, from Porterbrook's perspective, is a fully, uh, it, they expect that you're going to be doing year one and year two. Uh, but since Porterbrook is new this year, everybody here is going to be going through year one. So we wanted to put 95% of our attention on that year one. But you can just listen for, for next year. Year two, the, the classes are Living the Cross and Resurrection, Bible truth in missional perspective, missional church and church planting and culture. Trimester two is pastoral care, part one, the Holy Spirit, understanding leadership, Christian imagination, which I'm excited about that one. Uh, pastoral care, part two, Bible teaching and missional perspective, beyond the church plant, and evangelism and social action. So the first year uh, is really a foundation setting year where we want people to understand the story of, of the Bible. We want people to understand who you are in Christ. We want you to understand the gospel. Year two gets a little bit more tangible, church planting oriented, uh, and kind of getting people ready for the work that, that is ahead. So uh, the conference weekend. So those are going to be happening, like I said a few times, once every three months. Um, why did I put it in that order? That's funny. So the conference weekends uh, are a Friday night and most of the day Saturday. Uh, Friday night, we're going to be inviting in some keynote speakers, pastors that we're, that we're friends with, that we know are uh, very, very proficient in one of the categories or one of the topics that we're going to be learning on that trimester. So it... They'll come in, they'll do a talk. Um, often there will be some sort of training specific to what they're talking about. When we went down to Orange County a few months ago, uh, it was this couple that uh, both, uh, both of whom have, God gave a big prophetic gift to. And so they had decades of ministry uh, where God has, has had all kinds of fruit in speaking prophetically through them. And so it was fun hearing them talk about uh, how to be prophetic without being weird. Um, and so they talked through a lot of that stuff, walked through a lot of uh, scripture about prophecy, and then they had us all get up and, and tried a very, uh, sure, good word, stretching exercise uh, with prophecy and, and prophesying to one another and, and just sort of getting a feel for what that all felt like. Um, so that all happens on Friday night. We also want to do dinner together uh, because we love doing dinner together. And then on Saturday, the primary uh, role or the primary thing we're going to be doing on Saturday are those 10-minute talks uh, through uh, everybody. So everybody's going to get a turn. Depending on how many people actually are with us in this first year, that's going to uh, vary our schedule a lot for that day because if we have six people, we're going to rip through that thing real quick. Uh, if there are 60 people... We're going to have to figure it out. So uh, we'll see if we split into two groups. We'll see whatever it is. Uh, but that's that's the, the majority of what we're going to be doing on Saturday uh, for the conference weekends. Okay. So study groups. Study groups are going to be anywhere between four to nine people. Um, one of the big things that we needed to decide, because uh, Porterbrook did not decide this for us. They give us freedom with this. 
uh, was we needed to decide if each one of the study groups was going to have a designated leader or if the group was going to be leading itself. There's highlights and lowlights of, of either one of those. The way that we chose to go about it is uh, to have each one of the groups be self-led. A big reason for that is, like Matt was talking about, this is part of our uh, part of our hope of this is to be a leadership development resource. We want people to be able to uh, take opportunities to be leaders, to see what that feels like, and to be able to take any of those things that they learn about being a leader out into uh, the kingdom years years ahead. And so uh, what our plan is, the reason that we're limiting the study groups at nine people is because uh, Porterbrook is nine months long. And so we want everybody to take a turn being a leader of your study group for one month. So. I don't really care how you guys decide who's going to be the leader first. It could be lottery, you could do alphabetic, you could do birthdays, what have you. Um, but once we establish who's going to be in which study groups, uh, each of you will take a turn being the leader. That just means facilitating the conversation. That means taking attendance for me uh, and uh, just sort of being the facilitator of the conversation, sending the email out, hey guys, don't forget we're going to be meeting Tuesday and talking through unit three, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, the, that's the study groups. I'm sure there might be more questions and we'll get there. Uh, the last slide that I have is the important dates for Porterbrook. This would be one that if you have a phone, this would be a good picture to take. Uh, it's also on the website porterbrookvc.org. All this is listed on there. Um, but these would be things that if you are planning on being a part of Porterbrook this year, uh, these dates are non-negotiable. Uh, the conference weekends are incredibly important for the experience of Porterbrook. And so if you look at this and you look at your calendar and there's two that you can't make, my advice would be to wait until next year uh, to do it because those things are so core uh, to the experience. Obviously, things happen. People get sick. People need to fly somewhere for uh, memorial services. I don't know, weddings are a little bit more uh, upbeat, but usually they're planned. So uh, we know that things happen, and so we are going to have grace. But our hope is that your priority, that you would prioritize this uh, pretty high on your calendars to be a part of those. Uh, the last line, registration open uh, is, a, is a little bit of a joke because registration is open and has been open for about a month or so. So uh, you guys are welcome to register now, uh, but those are, those are going to be the nights. The introduction night on September 7th is mostly just going to be dinner together, talking about what to expect for uh, the first trimester. Nick and uh, Ryan and Sarah Jane are all going to come out and just talk a little bit more about what to expect in your first year of Porterbrook, how to get the most out of Porterbrook. I think it'll be really uh, a neat time. Um, we'll have dinner together and all of that. All right. So if you want to register, you can do that on the website, porterbrookvc.org. There's a big green button. Is it green? Let's see. Because it doesn't really matter that much, but I want to know. It is... Slow internet. Green, sign up now, right on the homepage. So you can do that. Um, I know that I've talked about it from the stage a few times, but the cost is $425 uh, for the first year. That's per person. Um, like Ryan and Sarah Jane were talking about, doing this together as a married couple 
is really, really valuable. And so to, to give a little bit of an incentive for couples doing this together, uh, we reduced the price uh, to $700 for the couple. Most of that is covering uh, prepaying for meals and snacks, and we want to be able to give a little something to the, the guys who travel out uh, to bless us on those Friday nights at conference days. And then also there's a portion that Porterbrook is going to be getting uh, because they're the ones who put out the curriculum. So they deserve it. So that is that. Mr. Matt Larson, would you mind joining me up on the non-stage? What's that? On the floor, yeah. We could recline at table. Recline at floor. So I would imagine you guys have some questions. I would love to answer any, and Matt would love to answer any as well. Bring it, Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So she asked if the, the weekly study groups start meeting the week after that. So September 10th theoretically could be the first night of your study group. Uh, the way that we will identify who is in study groups is similar to how we do community groups. We would, we would say that geography is an important part of uh, how we place people in community groups right now. Uh, common interests, those sort of things can be a factor, but ultimately relationships trump everything else. So even if you live in Moorpark, you can be in a group that's in Thousand Oaks uh, because you know that you want the McCarleys want to be in a group with Danny and Danae. That's fine. So um, there's going to be a spot in the registration form that says, uh, do you know anybody else who you know that you would like to be in their study group? And so we can kind of link up some things like that. If you don't know anybody that you really want to be in a study group with, that's okay. I'm going to put on there um, what nights are you available or are you available other times during the day. So basically, I want to try to play matchmaker as much as I can if you don't have somebody that you are matched with. Uh, and... I think that we'll be able to get everybody into a group uh, relatively smoothly. Uh, I can't guarantee that we're going to be able to accommodate every single person's calendar, right? If you are only available Tuesday mornings and nobody else is, is available Tuesday mornings, the study groups are such a core part of Porterbrook that it's not worth doing it if you can't be in a study group and committed to it with a group of other people. So we're gonna do our best. That's one of the hopes and reasons I would encourage you to register early is so that we can do a lot of that matchmaking quickly and not have it be something where you're still waiting to get into your group the first week of when you're supposed to be meeting, you miss one or something like that. So if you guys were to register in the next week or two, that would give us plenty of time to be able to work out uh, study groups and all that kind of stuff. Is that sufficient, Emily? Danae. Yeah, the question was, are, is it possible to do a daytime group and not a nighttime group? Yes, the schedule is 100% up to uh, each person being able to find a couple other people who can do the same schedule as them. If you want to meet at midnight, that's cool with me. If you want to meet at, at 8 in the morning and do a breakfast study group, sweet. 
I, I, I really don't mind. Did I say 8 a.m. lunch group? Oh, stop it. Okay. Question two, Danae. So uh, Danae's question was there, she went on the website and there's a bunch of other classes that are offered that seem to be outside of the Porterbrook stream. Uh, yes, so Porterbrook basically uh, creates the content, they hand it over to a company called Bible Mesh and they're the ones who actually do the delivery of the curriculum. Bible Mesh is not just a Porterbrook thing, they do lots of curriculum across lots of different things. Uh, and so you can go on the, the Bible Mesh website are you texting Trisha? You can go on the Bible Mesh website and uh, and get any classes you want. Those are completely up to you. There, uh, there's any anybody in the whole world could download whatever you want. But Porterbrook specifically is those twelve classes, and then the twelve that'll be going in year two. Yes. Yes. The question was, is it, a, is it a specific content that you go through every week? Uh, yes. Let me show you. I don't have this up on the screen, but uh, this is for those of you who can see it. You basically log into the website, and then you can click on what class you want to take. I know it's really small. I could have put it on the screen. <laughs> Chrissy, can you see it? Yeah, okay. So it, it says uh, unit one, unit two, unit three. You can just click on whatever one you want and there's videos and things there. Um, I'm also planning on downloading and, and printing out a binded, uh, bound? Binded? Bound. Okay. Uh, book that has every one of the classes, every one of the, the PDFs already in there. Um, I think that the, the videos are useful, and so it might be the best situation where you watch the videos on the computer, and if you still want to have sort of the paper experience, you can have the paper alongside some of the digital content. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we do three of those trimesters instead of four. Yeah. Yeah. So the question was, I had mentioned three to four hours a week of work. How do you actually spend those three to four hours? Yes? Okay. So it varies. Uh, week to week, there's some that are really video heavy and there's some that are uh, reading heavy. Um, all of the, the writing prompts, like I said, are 500 pages. Uh, so that'll take you a while. Uh, so there's, I think that there, even in 500 pages, there is still some thought that, that needs to go into it and time invested into that. Each class uh, only has one written assignment for the whole time. 
that you would actually turn in, but every week, thank you. We have water bottles. Um, but each week there are sections for reflection also. And so this it's not like a written thing that you turn in. But there will be little things like uh, in the evangelism course I read today, um, it says, uh, how would you take this principle in a conversation with your friend who struggles uh, with uh, a fear of man? And so you can just write out a quick thing for that and then move on to the next one. Yeah, maybe you want to take that one? Yeah, so I, I, I went through traditional Bible college, Biola, and uh, seminary, and got a chance to take a more, uh, you might call it systematic approach. Uh, systematic is probably the wrong word, but like we took Old Testament, we took New Testament, we took Greek, we took, uh, Kristen and I took together a class on Romans, like very specified things. And this is definitely approached it more from a story of God perspective where you're not going to spend three months on Isaiah, but you are going to spend three months on how the, uh, the narrative of the scriptures point to Jesus like that. That's how they would approach it. Uh, what excites me about that? And this is maybe the relationship that we've grown with eternity Bible college over the years is even some of the Bible colleges are redoing their curriculum to more reflect, uh, a Bible, uh, a biblical theology approach as opposed to a systematic theology approach. So that's, helpful in that it's maybe more on the, um, the, the front foot of where education is going uh, in, in the Christian world as opposed to uh, we can't quite live up to those standards and expectations, so we're going to do it this way. It's really more like we're doing it this way, and a lot of schools are starting to move that direction as well, which is uh, very exciting. So uh, I have never gone through Porterbrook completely, but I, I do have the Biola and the Talbot uh, experience of school. So I'm looking forward to going through and just seeing the difference for myself. Yeah. So Another thing that was neat was um, Matt mentioned Andy Rogers and uh, Tom Logue. And so Andy was a leadership resident of ours six or seven years ago and planted Restored Church in San Diego. Uh, and then his one of his first guys on his team just recently started Restored Church in Temecula, where he grew up. And I was talking to Tom a few weeks ago, just checking in and seeing how he was doing. And I told him that we were going to be starting Porterbrook. And it was over the phone, so I couldn't see him. But it, I could hear his face lighting up, uh, just hearing that we were going to be starting this. And, um, and so I asked him a very similar question. I said, how would you compare this to a more traditional seminary sort of experience? And he said, he said honestly, I didn't do seminary. Um, but in this last season, I've had lots and lots of people ask me what my training has been to do this or what school I went to. And he said, I feel no qualms whatsoever telling people that I, that I went to Porterbrook. And so if, if you have somebody who is a lead church planter uh, who feels like he's been equipped uh, in scripture and in life and ministry uh, by going through this two-year thing, that I feel like that speaks a lot to the, to the content. Uh, I know Drew had a question. Yeah. 
Yeah. How long, how long are the groups, um, that meet weekly, the study groups? My, my, my guess is that they will feel, uh, like a similar length to a community group where if you are meeting for less than an hour, it's not going to feel like you're really getting to enough depth. Uh, and somewhere in the hour and a half to two hour range is probably going to feel sufficient. Part of that's going to be dependent on how many people are in your group. Like I said, it could be as small as four. It could be as big as nine. Uh, and so obviously if there's nine people, there's a lot more mouths that, that should be sharing about the things that are going on in their life. So that may take a little bit longer. Um, but somewhere in that hour and a half to two hour range is what I was, what I would expect. Barbara. I mean, I'll start What's by that? saying we didn't bring Porterbrook in to train us how to pray. Just point blank, that's not what we were looking for um, and why we brought it in. Uh, but again, you get out of it what you put into it. So uh, does it have a prayer component to it formally? Uh, there's not a curriculum in the prayer that says before you start your meeting, you must pray for 27 minutes as a group for this, 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 and this. But if you as a cohort or as a study group, I'm sorry, decide to say, hey, you know what, before we get into an ounce of material, before we study the scriptures together, before we even talk about our weeks, we want to spend some time praying together, then you have a, a component of prayer. But it's not, I wouldn't say it's curriculum-wise built into the program. Um, so yeah, like Matt said, there's not a unit that's called prayer, but prayer is for sure sprinkled in all throughout. It's, it's an anticipated and expected part of the Christian life and the guys who put together this curriculum, uh, feel strongly about that also. And so in, for example, in the first class, uh, that's called gospel change, um, one of the units is called the means of grace, the Bible, prayer, and community. And it's all, there's a whole section about repentance. There's a whole section about all of that sort of stuff. And so um, that's one of the things that I'm excited about with this is that it's not just purely head knowledge. When when did the this king do this in this time? You know, it's like it really is things that are 564 supposed to, BC. It's always 564 BC. That's the answer every time. Um, it's things that are really supposed to be affecting your heart. And if the Holy Spirit is affecting your heart, I'm, I'm fairly certain that prayer is going to be a part of that response. Anybody else? Yes, Christy. Uh, so it is a lot to uh, to take on all things. They fulfill different functions. Um, I would say that you'll have, as a study group, there will be bleed over for sure. I mean, if you're praying together, if you're uh, spending two hours a week with each other, starting to ask follow-up questions, how are, how's this going? Like, are you walking with Jesus in this area? Like, a lot of the accountability components of a community group uh, may get fleshed out in that. But again, we do see them fulfilling different functions. That's why we didn't shut down community groups and then start up Porterbrook and say everybody that wasn't one of these go and do one of this thing. It's we actually see them fulfilling dual functions. So if you have capacity 
to continue doing both a community group and Porterbrook, we would say that's probably the best case scenario. Uh, if you don't have capacity for it and you need to take a season out of a community group to do Porterbrook, like that's that's life. I, we get that. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule, but the best case scenario would be do it all, all the time, always, everywhere. So uh, if you can uh, pull it off, then that's great. And if not, then that's okay. Yeah, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, but we're going to be relaunching community groups or doing signups for them the last week of August and the first week of September. So we're going to have lists of uh, groups that you can sign up for. Each group will have a time on it, um, all the different things that will go in that. So theoretically, you could have both things calendared out at about the same time. Yes, Ms. Lauren. Um, we can work anything out, really. Um, even part of the, the price that uh, we put together assumed that there would be some negative scholarships. Um, the first week that we were talking about this on the stage, we were joking that this is going to be a huge money maker for us, uh, which is not the case at all. Um, and so uh, we don't want money to be the thing that, that limits you from doing this. So I think that there is something to be said about uh, paid experiences usually are things that you're more invested in. Uh, and so I do think that there is something important about actually contributing financially to this. Um, but we do have some resources where we can help people who are in like a real, real need to, to do this also. If anybody's ever had a kid that tried to quit ASO about halfway into the season and you said, I paid good money for this, that's the motivator, right? It just keeps you like engaged because, you know, I paid good money. No? All right. All right. Whatever. I'm just throwing that out there. Where will the study groups take place? They will take place wherever is convenient for the group that you're in. So that could be your house, that could be at a park, that could be any place like that. I would imagine most of them will take place at Ragamuffin Coffee in Newbury Park. That just that seems to be where every Christian gathers for some kind of group setting at any given moment. Yep. So. Or 507 Coffee in yeah, Thousand Oaks. There you go. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an option. Um, there's even, uh, we're building out the, the office next door, and if there's a space that's available, uh, it's just like our philosophy of using this space. We, we love it when people are here, and that this isn't just a thing that's used on Sunday mornings. Um, and thankfully, by the grace of God, we do have stuff going on all the time here. Um, but a group from, from four to nine people should be able to meet in really any, any room. So. Going once, going twice. I was shooting for 8.30. We might be done early, people. <laughs> Mike is pumped about a little early out. <laughs> He's got golf early, early in the morning, yeah. so. Okay, so uh, if you guys have any more questions, feel free to come up and talk. Um, you can email me or Matt. Uh, Matt just gave me a, a high five. Or no, you waved hello, is that have, what you're doing? I have a question. I'm just kidding, yeah. go ahead. Okay. Uh, if Everybody here is talking to somebody uh, later on that wants to sign up, but they weren't at the info night. Can they still sign up? 100% absolutely. Okay. This, porter, this, this night was hopefully informative and not mandatory in the slightest. So uh, feel free to sign up. 
anybody can sign up as long as they're actually committed and, and interested in actually going through uh, at least year one. I have another question. Bring it. What would you say is the youngest appropriate age to go through Porterbrook? That is a great question. You yeah. say eight? Say eight. Eighteen. See, I, th I was thinking about that, but like my 15-year-old, I think, would, would handle, so I'm sure it's parent discretion, but there's no, yeah. there's no like recommended age above. You say 18, I say yeah. whatever. Yeah. Not, not nine. You know, that'd be a little young. Yeah. I think if, if somebody can handle college-level material, I think that they, they would be able to handle this. So I think that there are some 15-year-olds who can handle college-level material, and there's some 20-year-olds who can't. So it's sort of... Uh, it's sort of up to each one of the students. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that the there these are going. Each person is going to be in a study group, and so if we had a, a just a couple twelve-year-olds, that would be an interesting dynamic mm -hmm. into the rest of the people who are going to be in that study group. So that would be something that we would need to consider. Let's put it this way: if there's somebody who's under eighteen, that would be a great conversation to to let us. Uh, in on, right. or did you ask this question? No, I did, but that's a great, that's a great okay. way of talking about it. Does that work? Does that seem reasonable? Okay, yeah. Never, nothing. There's not too old. Uh, it is rigorous, but that was sort of my hope with showing some of those videos, is that those are real people who were able to uh, thrive through the midst of it. I mean, if you've been out of school for a long time, it always takes a while to get back to the practice of study. It just is, it's a, it's a learned habit and it's not easy to re-engage it. So that's probably true for anybody, let alone a 70-year-old or a 27-year-old that's been out for 10 years. Yeah, Trish and I had a conversation about when in our week, when are we going to do Porterbrook? You know, I, I don't want this to be something that we just rip through to, to get through it. Yeah, I want it to be something that we do set aside enough time for us to actually let it change us, let us digest it and things like that. So there is sort of that logistical part of it also is looking at your week and finding out uh, if you are doing it with a spouse, uh, do you guys really want to do it at the same time? Do you want to do it together? Do you want to be talking about it as you're working? Do you work differently at different times? Just all that kind of stuff also. But like Matt said, I think, and what uh, Ryan and Sarah Jane said, is that it took them a while to figure out the rhythms of life in the midst of working through the curriculum also. Um, so, yeah. We've talked about Porterbrook specifically a lot tonight. I just want to reiterate, I think you know this. We've preached enough uh, out of the scriptures. We believe that the scriptures are the authority. They are the power. That's where, that's where God speaks. Uh, this is a tool to help us understand it better. Uh, we believe that Jesus is the Savior, that there is no other Savior than him. This program is not the Savior. It's just helpful to point us to him. So as we talk about, I know tonight is the Porterbrook Info Night. I feel like that word has been mentioned 600 times. It's only because it's the, the name of the organization that we're joining up with to, to carry this out. We fully believe in Jesus and the power of the scriptures, and this is going to help us unpack that and put it to practice in our lives. So. I did see a video that explained the name Porterbrook. They're the church that some of these guys uh, are a part of, there was a brook or a little creek that was right next to their church, and it was Porter Brook. That was the that's name of the church? That's no, that was the name of a, of a creek oh. that was going right yeah. next to the church. So I'm sure you could figure out some sort of vision-y statement. Hello, dear. Your hand is up.
Classically, it would be guinea pig, not gopher. But yeah, but that was a great point that you made, and I appreciate that. Yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. Woodchuck, maybe. All right, Gary. I, I'll put it this way. The oh yeah, sorry. What is the deadline for registration? I'm going to say that it is before September. That's what I'm going to be putting on the website and things like that. If somebody registers on September 6th, will we have them? In this year? No. <laughs> they are out. Yes, of course. We like as long as we can uh, work out the study groups in time, uh, that'll make it super easy for us to add people uh, up until the last minute. Yeah. Sooner is better because that'll help me, especially be able to do some matchmaking. Uh, but we can work it out. If you decide to go through this for the first year, there's a uh, there's two sides, uh, two things to say to you. One is thank you for being the gophers, the, the woodchucks, uh, for being willing to go through something that we're learning how to facilitate and carry out at the same time that you're learning at, in the participation of it. Uh, that's really helpful. You are pioneers, uh, people that we would believe would be leading the church through something that we would want everybody to go through. So thank you for being willing to do that. Also, we do ask for grace. There's going to be a lot of figuring stuff out. Uh, we may change things in year two, and, and you might look back and say, hey, uh, that sounded like a great idea. Why didn't you do that? And it's like, well, we didn't know. And so we are going into this uh, hoping for and expecting grace, but also believing that it's got great opportunity for us and, and think you should do it because we think everybody should do it, but we're very grateful that you guys are interested. All right. Any other questions? Feel free to come and talk to me. Ryan at anthemchurch.org, Matt at anthemchurch.org, porterbrookvc.org. Thank you guys. We're really excited for this, and I hope you are too. Hopefully, you leave here feeling informed and excited as well. <laughs>